because it's a verb. Selfing. Yeah? The mental process is verbing. It's a process. Yeah? A process isn't a noun. It's, it signifies a verb. Yeah? A process. So the mental processing, I call it selfing. That processing is constantly making up an illusion of being a self. So out of the verb, a, a noun is conjured up. So this is taken to be the noun. And then there's that noun now claims the verb that I'm doing something, and I'm having something, and I'm thinking, and I'm feeling, and I'm this and I'm that. But if you really see it, it's not a noun. There's just seeing. Feeling, hearing, tasting, thinking. The thinking has an idea that there's a thinker and the thought. It separates. It, It separates a verb into a noun and a verb. And then the fixation happens through the verbing onto an imaginary noun. So your attention and interest get absorbed in the sense of being a noun. But the noun is appearing... The appearance of the noun is made up of the verb. The verbing is what projects the noun. That's why you can be startled into a surrender. Because selfing is a verb, it's not a noun. Yeah? You're not a solid, separate entity. It's just the feeling that you're a solid, separate, individual entity. Yeah? But the verb is making up that feeling. So if there's a wrench thrown into the works and the verb can get startled into submission, that's like a pause or an aha or or a surrender, yes? The selfing is going on, and there's a lot of interruptions in it, but it, it creates a sense of continuum by being the noun, yeah? So when there's a gap in the verbing, it's filled up with the idea of being the noun, Paul. So it covers its own tracks in a sense, yes? Because life is always uh, inviting us to see the truth. I mean, it's not a, an intentional invitation, it's just what it is. Yeah, it's just revealing itself all the time. So there's always this in, invitation, but the invitation is seen to be given to you, which is not the invitation. Yeah. The invitation is not delivered to you. The invitation there is, is there is no you. Yeah. That's the invitation. So here's the verbing of selfing going on all day. And then you have your little narration and then like that. And in that, it makes up an illusion of being a noun. So the noun fills all the gaps of the verbing of selfing. Yeah? Because, like even in a breath, there's the inhalation exhalation, but there's a gap between both. Yeah? So there's gaps between thoughts. There's gaps between selfing. But that the idea of being the noun, that's the long-lasting, continual, linear action figure fills up that gap, yeah? So it almost seems seamless that it's you. Not so much because of the verb, but the, the, the end product of the verbing, which is you as a noun. The noun is the filler of the gaps. So you don't notice the gaps between thoughts, you just notice thoughts most of the time. Your attention goes to the thoughts, but doesn't get the sense of the gaps between the thoughts, which is not a gap between the thoughts, it's where it's the it's the space where the thoughts are appearing in. Yeah? So the thoughts don't appear as one thought, there's thought, and then there's and in those gaps you get the sense of the context of all thoughts, which is that space. Yeah? But that space is blocked out by being a noun. Yeah? 
because you fill in the gaps. So you feel like you're a continual, always been here, Paul. And yet, life is constantly showing you every day samples when you're not present as a self. It's obvious, you know, like if you're in the water and you're swimming or surfing or doing this, something you love, there's so many gaps of you're not being there. That's the joy of the event, is your absence of it. Now, if that's just a free sample or a sample of it, could you imagine if you could entertain that you are the absence in your life, actually? What you're calling the presence, Paul, is actually the absence of the presence. This is the absence of the presence. When this is being identified as, presence seems absent, doesn't it? You have to do something to try to feel it, or buy something to try to feel it, or get something to do this or do that. Yeah? So when this is present, the presence seems absent, and vice versa. When this is absent, the presence is obvious. But not to this. Because if, this, if the presence is obvious to this, then the presence is absent. So the presence is obvious as a book, or as a, a retreat in the future, or a past event. That's the obviousness, but that's not it. Yeah? So it can't be obvious to you, because that would mean you're present, which means it's absence. So it has to be obvious by your absence. Yeah. Because when you're absent, consciousness is an absent. Yeah? What's conscious is not absent. What's conscious of you seemingly being present all day can also be conscious of your absence all day. It's consciousness. It doesn't have... It's, that's its nature. So it's aware of. Yes? So if you're obsessed with the mental process called selfing, and all your attention and interest is in that, you will be conscious of being a self. Yeah? Same thing, if you entertain you're not that, you'll be conscious of the absence of self. It's the same consciousness. Yeah? Like the same, it's in a way, what's imprisoning you to self is captured consciousness. And that's what will free you. The same consciousness. Because if you become conscious of your absence, that's the presence. <laughs> yeah. That's it. But you can't become conscious of the presence with your presence. Because your presence is seemingly the absence of presence. It's not the absence of presence, but seemingly. In other words, it appears true or false to you. The word seemingly is incredible. In recovery, it says in, our, in the beginning of our recovery program, in the forward, it says, we are 100 people, 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Seemingly means it, pertain, it appears to be true or false to you. Yeah. So really, you're giving the meaning to everything. So you can give the meaning of a, of a state of a disease, and you can give it the meaning of being hopeless. What is going to happen to you if you truly believe something is hopeless? You're going to be in fuck it. If you're in fuck it, you're probably going to keep getting loaded, because it's hopeless. <laughs> it sort of fulfills its own self. But this point is it's seemingly hopeless. It only appears to be hopeless to you based on the condition you're in. So it seemingly feels like God is everywhere, but he actually isn't to me, because I'm not bumping into him. So I must be in a, either a special somewhere, or this everywhere I'm excluded from or something. Yeah? But that's only seemingly so by what? By your presence as a self. 
by your presence as a self, God doesn't seem to be here. I don't like the word God, but you know what I'm implying. Yeah? The, the effect of all there is is oneness doesn't seem to be present here when you're present. It seems to be a topic that you can study with the hopes of getting a little advantage by that topic, but you don't get the sense of the presence because of your presence. That's the dilemma with this message, in, in a way. You, you deliver a message, and the message is, you're a lion. Yeah? So there it is, you're a lion. So here it goes. You're a lion. Do, 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 do. It travels the sound thing, and it hits this ear, this conditional ear canal, and immediately as it hits this, your head says, I can become like a lion. That's not the message. See, because what's hearing it is the absence, your presence, yeah, a self. So it can't, when it's present, it cannot entertain the truth of this message. Because if you are a lion, then the sheepness of the self is in non-existent, and it ain't going to brook that information. So it says, all right, how can I neuter this giant threat to my seeming existence is I will start seeking it. <laughs> I will want to, I will try to get to become like a lion. But every step of the way, as I am acting like I'm really trying to become like a lion, I'm reinforcing what? The belief that I'm a sheep. Yeah. So no. The message is I'm a lion. Okay, I'm a lion, I'm a lion, I'm a lion. Oh, I can become like a lion. That's not the message. I, I'm a lion, I'm a lion, I'm a lion. Oh, I can become like That's not the message. Because becoming like a lion is actually the denial of being a lion. The exact thing of you trying to become present is the, is the affirmation of the absence of the presence. That's why seeking, in a sense, doesn't work, because it implies a seeker. And the seeker reinforces the idea that you are that absence, being the seeker. Seeking a presence to make this absence better. That's why I love this message, because it's not like I'm giving, or anyone's offering you a solution. We're just pointing out the illusory quality of the problem you believe you're in. The problem you believe you're in is that you believe you're this, who has all of these things going on, and you're really sure that that's true. If that is as true as true can be for you, then the truth of the presence is that it's absent of you in your life. It cannot be at the same time in your head. If you're taking this place to be real and real and real and solid, and man, this is a real problem I need a real solution to, that's all fine and dandy. This place will offer you tons of solutions, which may be or may not bring you temporary relief, but the real problem is that. Uh, an imaginary problem has been has taken to be real. Once you give it a reality, yes, you're in the net. You're bonded to the idea of being a self that has to seek to get, you know, advantage or strategies to get out of this unbearability of its own absence. So the solution to me is it's an imaginary problem. If it's an imaginary problem, there's no need to get out of it. That's being out of it. That is the cleanest way of being out of anything is realize you weren't in it. Yeah. And it's not you realizing you're not in it. See? It's a realization you're not in it. No, and the realization is simply this. I'm not in it as a self.
As soon as you enter something and you feel the unbearability of it, and there's that it's very strong urge, and the mind takes over and offers you a solution to it, yes, you're in the dilemma. Because now the imaginary problem is seen to be real, and now you're shopping all your life to get relief for what you're not instead of from what you're not. Yeah. So you become more in bondage seeking solutions concerning the self than you were when you were seeking solutions to it. Your being out of self is truly being in self. Your trying to get out of self is truly being in self because you're reinforcing the belief that you are in self. And it's an impossibility to be in self. It's a mental process. It's a mental process. The mental process makes up an idea of being an I that now claims the mental processes and claims the thinking and the feeling and the body and the life and this and that. And it's in that claiming that is the bondage to self. And self is not bonding you. It's coming from your side. The captured consciousness being identified as that gets bonded to the idea of being a self because all your attention and interest goes there. Yeah? The, that, that awareness that can bring about such a joy and freedom in your life is what drives you crazy at night because you can't cut it off. It's constantly representing what happened during the day to you once again with all the options of redoing it. If I wouldn't have done that, if I shouldn't have done this... But the fact is, you get, it's not like a stage play. Yeah? You can't call everyone off the stage and get the director up. Hey, I want to I wanna deliver another line in that situation that happened about four hours ago. There's, it's not going to happen. It's, it's, this is improvisation. It's one take, and that's it. Yeah. But the head believes it has options, doesn't it? If only, I should have, what if? Those are hallways of hell. If the, if the head sort of calls your attention to, come on, come with me. Let's go down this hallway of what if, please. You know, put on a DVD, do something. You know, take a walk, do some laundry. Do not go down that hallway, because what you're going to come back with is going to be a lot of heaviness. You'll be right about something. <laughs> It'll justify your quote-unquote existence at that moment. And that's all its point is, is to justify your existence as the absence. The presence needs no justification because it's present. And absence needs tons of justifications to seem like it's present. But the presence needs no justification, needs nothing because it's all things and no thing. Yeah? It's something real. It's just like the, the realms we attempt to entertain here. Most of us are entertaining what's not happening. Yeah? And in what's not happening, as we go over a lot here, anything can happen in what's not happening. It's a field day for your mind. It loves what's not happening. Because it can make anything seem to happen up there. Yeah? It's not constrained by the real nuisance of what's happening, which is there's only one thing going on, and that's what's happening. Mind has a very difficult time with what's happening. But so what it does is, hey, I'm not even going to deal with what's happening. I'm just going to dwell on what's not happening. So in what's not happening, I can be in a terrible condition next Friday, today. Yeah. Hallelujah. I can play God for this poor little apparatus. I can make it so afraid of what's not happening that it's going to be anxiety-ridden now and, not to be, and won't be able to respond to what's happening. 
So the head loves to go into what's not happening. Goes here, goes there, goes there, there. And it has it brings back crops and harvests certain products from what's not happening, and it dumps it into this moment, into the body. Yeah. So if next week I'm going to be fired, and my girlfriend is going to sleep with my best friend, I know it for sure. Next week, I may have a preemptive resentment attack on them, and they will "What the hell are you talking about? I know you're going to sleep with my girlfriend next Friday." <laughs> so all this stuff. Something occurs up there, it gets locked into this moment, and your body is the field of its demonstration. So you're coiled up, your nerves are shot, your mind's racing, you're sweaty, and you're basically, for all intents and purposes, not here. Yeah? And this isn't just a rare event. This is happening almost all day. Most people never seem to be here. If you watch... Watch, I go into rooms and there's nothing happening in that room. There's no fear, no one's got a gun, nothing like this. And people are totally flipping out because they're not responding to what's happening, they're reacting to what's not happening. And after a while, it's taken to be what's happening. And there's some dryness in what's not happening because it doesn't have a certain quality. It's lacking a, one little quality, and it is, it's not happening. Yeah? <laughs> no matter how many things can happen and what's not happening, it cannot capture the one quality of that it's happening. Yeah? And that's why the antidote is right here and now to this mental disease. Yeah? Recognition, and the recognition not as you, because that is, you is the currency of... It's how is is your travel tickets to what's not happening. This is the original what's not happening. Yeah? You as a long-lasting independent separate entity is the original what's not happening. This is what gives you a passport to go traveling in what's not happening. Yeah? If this isn't seen to be you, there what you realize very, very, very quickly is what's not happening is not happening. You don't have to study about What's not happening is not happening. It's a gut hit. It's not happening. Why can I tell you that? Because there's something already happening that I am engaged with. I am in conscious contact. Now, I am the conscious contact. I am the conscious contact. I do not, I am not in conscious contact. I am the conscious contact. That conscious contact is the engagement in what's happening. Now, that conscious contact captured by a mental process and became identified as the mental process, now is its attention and interest goes into the black hole of self. Yeah? So you have tons of faith. You, 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 every one of us have tons of faith. It's a potential of mind. Yeah? We have tons of faith, every one of us. But what happens is faith manifests here in what vehicle it's put in. Faith manifests in this place in what vehicle it's put in. So if I have faith in my thoughts, it's going to produce anxiety in my life. Yeah? I'm going to be, if you're a devotee of your mind, instead of this, they're like this. They're worried. This is like their prayer. This is how they do prayer. I have this lady, I came to her house a long time ago. It was like the mother of the family. And she was insane. I mean, wow. I felt a lot of compassion. I was painting the house, and so she would be there watching this painting. And then I'd say, 
I see, Mrs. Whatever, what are you worried about? Are you going to paint that other wall? No, we're just going to paint three walls. That's our job. We don't paint four walls. We're a three-wall painting company. And then, so one day I wanted to screw with her. So I put a can of paint in the middle of the room. And she was, I could see the revolution speed up. Really fast. And she was just pondering what's going to happen. And I was going, do you think I'm going to leave that paint can here? <laughs> she generated, she could have lit up the whole state of New York by thus thinking. I mean, the energy that was being produced in that head about what's not going to happen about that, like I'm going to leave a paint can in the middle of the living room. Oh, by the way, we're done. There we go. <laughs> yeah? This is the insanity. This is the devotion of mind. She had total faith in her thoughts. And it, was re and it was expressing itself as a nervous wreck of a person. Yes? With no threat in the moment. The same energy, the same faith, if put into the presence or your absence, creates an ease and comfort in your skin now. It's not your skin, but in the skin now. In other words, faith isn't about getting a parking space next week at the meeting or whatever, or getting that, this, or that. That's like... Faith is immediately economical. It translates right now into a paring down of how you travel. Yeah? All that mental processing, and not the mental processing, but the interest and the attention that's been absorbed in it, is freed up. And that's the sense of presence. So you're now traveling lighter. And the thing is, I can't promise that the terrain of your life is going to change, like you're going to get a better job or this and that. But I can definitely promise, if entertained, you're going to travel lighter over the terrain of your life as this action figure. It's impossible not to. Because if you get to the root of the imaginary dilemma, it's going to show an effect. If you don't, you'll have to re-up on all your solutions, which is what most of us do. But when you get to the first knot, and it is the first knot, that first knot has a thread that goes through all the other knots. So let's say most of us are trying to, let's say, money or relationships, so we work hard at that knot, and we go to workshops, and we get a little bit of loosening, and our life gets seemingly better in that area, but tends to knot up again, yeah? And it doesn't seem like when I work on relationships, it really affects the other knots of my life. But if you get to the first knot, which I believe is the identification of what you're not, when that is told the truth of, that knot has a thread that goes through all the other knots of your life. Every aspect of your life will be affected because it's you that gives everything all the meaning it has. So when that you, that, that idea of what comprises you changes, the meaning that comes through this apparatus will change. You don't have to study how to give better meaning to things. It will just occur. Yes? It's so beautiful. Because you see, this right here, I give meaning to things and I entertain things. That's what this does. Not Paul. Paul is something that's entertaining and has given meaning too. Yes? Literally. Paul is part of what's been entertained and been given meaning too. And unfortunately, what the, the head has done, it's given the biggest meaning it can give to anything, to self, which is, I'm that. So the biggest, bigger than the meaning that you give about God. Self is much bigger than God here. If you give, whatever you give the meaning to, to be you, is the biggest meaning you can give. And that's what we do. We give meaning here. 
So if I've given meaning to an idea from a mental process that, that I, that's I am, then everything else, all the other meaning is distributed from that one point. So we live in the, underneath the distribution cycle of self-centeredness, yes? So you're getting the same old, same old. Self-centeredness offers maybe five possibilities. Like, you'll, maybe you'll find a fairy princess. After I've been through seven of them, I'm not thinking that may happen. The white knight will show up with the horse and the shining armor. You'll get the perfect job, or this or that, or you'll move somewhere. But it, all you're doing is rehashing the same possibilities. Always putting off being okay now into a future event based on circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> and you and I have been over every inch of self-centeredness. Every one of us in this room. And we have tried every one of the possibilities. It's a dead system. It's not to be relied on. And so if you look at the statement, self-centeredness means just that. It's centered on self. All we're changing, the same energy that's centered on self, if it's centered on what you are, it will produce a totally different result. The exact same energy. When your interest and attention is freed up from being enslaved to selfing, yeah, you cannot believe. We are miracle workers here. Literally. You're, you're making what's not happening seem to happen, at least to you. That's a miracle. I mean, it's incredible that you can override what's happening by entertaining what's not happening. That's a very powerful thing that you're doing all day. Yeah? And to make what's everywhere not seem to be obvious is unbelievable. Literally. I mean, when I was a kid and they did in catechism, they write, you know, God is omnipresent, means everywhere, all-powerful, all-knowing. And it'd be amazing. Why am I not bumping into it? You know? How can if this power is everywhere. Why am I not <laughs> sensing it? You know what I mean? <laughs> is the fish what separates it from the water? The identification as a fish, is that what actually separates it from water? So that it can be in water its whole life and be moving around in water and yet never see it? It just sees shells and seaweed, but it never recognizes the medium it actually is from? Maybe that's so. Maybe we're like the bubble overlooking the water. And now maybe we're like some of us a spiritual bubble, so we can't, we're just wishing we can merge with the ocean or have an experience, a spiritual experience in the ocean, but if the bubble just popped, you'd realize you are the ocean. Yeah? But the sense of being the bubble separates what's not separated. Yes? It's the same water, but it, it's, it's taking a seeming form, and in that form, we believe that's, that signals separation or difference. Yes? So it's the identification as the form that, make, that makes the feeling of being separate from, uh, from what we are. So you can be in a special somewhere and everywhere. And in that special somewhere, it's like living in a gated community. Everywhere is somewhere, but not in this special somewhere. <laughs> so maybe you hide it in the Himalayas or with that master's feet or something. So, you, so that what? So that you won't bump into everywhere. Because... What happens is, when you bump into everywhere, there's a realization you're everywhere, that you've never been that special someone in somewhere. And its whole intent is never to bump into everywhere. It's, it may worship everywhere, but as someone else, or in another place, or especially dead masters, it loves dead masters, because you're never going to have a confrontation with Jesus ever. Yeah, Buddha's never going to bitch slap you. He's dead. None of this is going to happen. Yeah? You can make him, make him or her anything you want. Oh, they were so lovely. They were assholes, maybe. They may have been very rude to people. And angry. Oh, 
I can just imagine what they're like. That's, that's the problem. Because as you're imagining what they were like, you're imagining what you're like. And you're like a long-lasting, independent, separate entity that's prone to insanity, is never going to be happy, never going to be loved, never going to have peace. Yeah. That's the whole point here. The real liberation is the need to be liberated, is removed. Jesus Christ. Why would you want to try to get out of some place you've never been in? <laughs> really? Why are you trying so hard to get out of something you've never been in? That's how it's made real, by trying to get out of it. Watch. It's like predator and prey, you know, in the, de- in the jungle. The prey, the deer, knows the predator because the predator rips its neck out. Yeah? But in this little game, the mental process selfing has you by you trying to move away from it. So by you trying to get out of self, that's how it has you. Once you go like this and see it, then you're free from it. Yeah. But as you're running away from it, trying to get it better, make it more socialized, I don't want to fuck up another barbecue like I did last week. Maybe I can have more than a month-long relationship for months. Well, there's all this trying self-improvement. Yes? You just look at it, entertain, I'm not that. Why would you want to waste another second trying to convince what's unconvincible? Your system is based on duality. It believes in being convinced and unconvinced at the same time. It can be convinced in one moment and then unconvinced the next moment. You can meet the greatest of all masters and be totally awake first in a second and then you're totally out cold the next second, seemingly. That you do not want to try to convince what's unconvincible. It's a recognition you're not that. And in that recognition I'm not that, then the problem doesn't exist for you, so there's no need to find a solution. And if there's no need to find a solution, there's no reflection of selfing. Yes? Selfing has a movement, relevance. Relevance is very important to it. It wants to mean something. Yeah? So if it can block you off from the sunlight of the spirit, that gives it a great meaning. Yeah? If, if it's the thing that ruined your life, if you believe self ruined your life, you've given it a lot of juice it doesn't have. Yeah? You've given it a lot of credit it doesn't deserve. Yes? What ruined your life, if there was any life of yours to be ruined, was your attention and interest. If you weren't interested... It's like the con- that awareness of conscious contact is, a, is what illuminates our stage. Your whole performance would never have been noted unless there was consciousness. That is the bottom, that's the common denominator. All there is is that. Now that consciousness can be captured by identification with the body, obviously. So here, in a sense, I like to use this picture. There's that scientist that wants to see the stars. So he uses a telescope. And the telescope has a bunch of lenses in it. Canister, and it doesn't actually bring the stars closer, but perceptually, it seems to bring the stars closer. Yes, it's seemingly because nothing is real here. It's all perception. It's all sleight of hand. It's all how you see things. Yeah. So 
when I look up through a telescope, I can see the stars. Yes? See you guys. I can see the stars. They seem to get brought closer to me as if they're real. And then when I stop seeing the stars, when I pull away, yes, there's no seeing of the stars. This telescope is there. It has the potential to see the stars, but it has the potential to facilitate seeing the stars, but it does not see the stars. So here is consciousness, the scientist. The body and the brain here is the telescope. So in a sense, consciousness is coming through this telescope so that it can see itself as things. It wouldn't be able to do it without a body. It has to go through this body. But as it's moving through the body, there's been an identification as the body. So the scientist forgets it's a scientist and starts taking itself to be the telescope. Yeah? So now it wants the best telescope case. It wants this and that. It wants all the lenses polished up. And yes, I'm a better... I, I got 50 magnitude, you got 25, so I'm so sorry for you. I went to the best telescope school, and you went to public school, and all this. And it just goes off on how bad or wonderful it is to be a telescope. But there's no more seeing of the stars. It's all memory now. Yeah? It's all based on memory. So the consciousness, like when you see a dead body, if you thought somebody you knew was them, and then when you see their body, sometimes you'll get a direct hit. That was an Uncle Fred. Because the body is the telescope. You were, you were mistaking the scientist for the telescope. Why? Because you were mistaking the scientist in your life as the telescope. Yeah? So in this, it's a recognition that consciousness is all there is. And that it's moving through this place. This is the interface for this appearance to occur. But not like Jesus says, you're in this appearance, seemingly, but you're not of it. So you're in the appearance of the stars being closer and things and solidity. And there's problems, and when your house is on fire, get a pail of water. Because if you believe your house is on fire, that house is on fire to you. Yeah. And if you try to use a philosophy, and you have a deep belief that your house is on fire, that philosophy is going to be like dry paper for the flames. It's not going to put anything out. It's serious. So here, but when you recognize you're not that, yes? That you're that, the ofness, and the ofness is not affected by the inness, but the inness is terribly or greatly affected by the ofness. Yeah. So, I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. So I'm in this world of telescopes and this or that and that, but I'm not of this world, and that's the freedom of this world, is realizing you're not in it. And hopefully, if you entertain this, it will bear fruit. So you don't have to have hope or... It's like also Jesus supposedly said that you'll know the tree by the fruit. A bad tree cannot bring forth good fruit. There will be fruit from whatever you're entertaining. And hopefully, you can get a sense of that tree by the fruit. To me, all the fruit is very light from this tree. So I assume that this tree is of light. The other fruit, well, you've had enough of that. Eh? So that informs me of that, the nature of that tree, that it quote-unquote bad or doesn't work. Yes? Now sit underneath the tree. But not as a you. That's the freedom. See, that's the dilemma most people do. They go, okay, I'm going to now sit underneath that tree. No. 
There's no you. That's the tree. That's the sitting under the tree, is that there is no you. And it verifies itself. You don't need a thousand pages of scripture. You get it in your gut. You know. This, we have given up authority here for a long time. People do not want to respond to the ability of being awake. They want someone else to tell them they're getting close or something. They'll give them another practice. People don't want to be free. They want to want to be free. Yeah, if it's in both, they want to want to be free. Freedom is different. It's, more, it's an immediate response to what is. Yeah? It's not something that what isn't can get. It's just an immediate response. Freedom is not a place or an event or a location later on. It's, it's a way of moving now. Everything that's valuable is now. It has nothing to do with freaking time. Literally. Everything that has any value here is now. That's why it's called presence. It's not called pastance and futurance. It's not called then and, and there. You know, it's now. There's a sense of like, immediacy of it that is beautiful. Like, you don't even have time to put on any mental clothes. Yeah? You're constantly stripped to a point where you stop pulling up the imaginary pants. You're in this village square naked. Fantastic. You're free. Yeah? Free from the bondage and the garments of self. But not as a self. You can't be free from self as a self. It's impossible. You a mental process can never transcend its nature, which is it's a mental process. You have to recognize that you are what witnesses the, the mental process. You are not the one that has the mental process. You are the one that witnesses it. And you're not the one. There's no the one. Yeah. So, And if it doesn't translate here then what's the value of it? Are you going to buy that line, well, you know, it'll happen after life. You're going to go to heaven. Just trudge this road of terrible destiny in here. No. It's freedom now. Yeah. In circumstances, in situations, you have a flexibility, a fluidity. It's inherent in you. Yeah. You're a verb. You're a verb, and it takes a verb to know a verb. You can't know a verb as a noun. You cannot know being as a noun. It's impossible. It's impossible. You can know being as a divine being, because that's making being a noun. Yeah? So we, we think we know some divine beings in this life, but the verb of being can only be sensed by a verb, and you are that verb. There's really no noun to be found here. There's just verbing. It's just being, expressing. That's the expression of consciousness here, is being. We are that. And in that verb, there's no beginning or end. You can't enter the verb or leave the verb. Yeah? In a sense, you as a noun is totally irrelevant in the world of verb. But as a noun, you want to know the truth as a topic or an object to you as the subject. Yeah? That's why you can't know the truth. That's why you have a difficulty. That's why the truth that you know doesn't translate to a freedom and a peace now. It's all circumstantial and conditional because its understanding is conditional and circumstantial. Yeah? 
the truth, if you see light from the truth, that's freedom. If you see, if you try to use light to find the truth, that's bondage. If you're a noun, you're taking a sense of being a subject. Yes. As soon as you become the subject, everything is cast as an object to you. So God is an object that you think you may want to know or not want to know. Truth is an object that maybe I want to know the truth after I finish, you know, when I retire or whatever. Maybe I'll get around to knowing the truth soon. But I'm busy subjecting everywhere, going around, subjecting everything. Yeah. But when you see this as an object, immediately the universal subjectivity of what's so becomes obvious. It may only be for a nanosecond, but it makes an indelible impression on your head. Yeah. It's like an unspoken yes, and then it's like that's done. Like Ramana Maharshi says, your head is now in the tiger's mouth. It's a done deal. If something has been revealed, there's no turning back. Because the only thing that can go forward and turn back is selfing. Yes? It always, it's always believing. It's always constrained by dualism. I'm moving away from the truth. I'm getting closer to the truth. Who's playing God in that situation? Your freaking head. Yeah? If the truth is, being, is, is made to be a square on the game board, and then what's narrating your journey to that square and tells you how close you are or far away, in a sense, don't you see that as the narrator is playing God? Because it's made God a square, and it's telling you you're, being, you're getting closer. It's like that game. Remember, they, they hide something, and they go, you're cold, you're cold, you're warm, you're getting hot. Well, it's a really crazy mind. It goes... You're hot, <laughs> cold, cold, and you never find it. It's always like, you're getting closer, 30 years, come on, more years of meditation, it's getting warmer, hot, <laughs> hot, cold, oh shit. <laughs> it's hidden once, it's hidden something right out in the open. So that's why they call it the open secret. What do you mean? How can a secret be a secret if it's open? Exactly. The gateless gate. You ever hear these things? Zen, gateless gate, the open secret. What are they trying to imply? It's obvious. A gateless gate. Why would you want to search for a key to a gateless gate? <laughs> I haven't found the key yet to the gateless gate. I can't enter it until I find that key. What's playing God? This, eh? The head. And it says in recovery, the how and why of all of recovery is quit playing God. It doesn't work. Find out what's playing God. And when you realize it's not you, it's, it, all it can do is play God. You're the God-like juice it uses to make it seem real. Your attention and interest is what gives it a God-like quality. It can appear to be real to you if you're believing it. Yes? The same yak, that same production... If you realize you're not the star of it, it loses all the color. You see it as... You ever see an old movie when you were young and you were so sucked into it? Like, Them. There was a science fiction with giant ants, you know? I must, in New York, we have a million-dollar movie, Channel 9, which is they showed the same movie all week. And then Saturday... I mean, the cheapest... I mean, they ran a great TV station. And on Saturday, Sunday, they show it every other hour. So I saw them about 40 freaking times. These ants, and I loved it. The other night, we saw it. It was so hokey. Terrible special effects. And just the, the clothes these guys were wearing. These, it was so corny. But when I was watching it back then, it seemed so freaking real. Yeah? It's exactly like that. What was it? That or this? It's neither. It's perceptual. You're giving it all the meaning it has. 
I'll go with this. I did share this on Wednesday. I thought I was looking pretty cool when I was like 13, you know, 14. I had long hair, and I had this outfit that I really liked. There were red corduroys and, and a great long and a great long sleeve T-shirt. And I used to go to Roosevelt Field, which was a big mall in Long Island. And I'd strut my stuff, you know, walk around. And I was gathering a lot of attention. You know, there's good people looking at me. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is working. So I, I played this act for months. I was wearing this thing. I was strutting around. Yeah, I had my hair going. <laughs> and then one day, one of my friends had compassion on me. And said, Paul, do you know that shirt's pink? And his pants are magenta? I'm colorblind. And as soon as, he, as soon as he broke the news to me, or invited me, or gave me the message, and said, hey, you know, that shirt's pink, and those pants are magenta, I saw them as pink and magenta, immediately. There was no studying. Are they, are they pink, or are they gray? No. As soon as he gave me the invitation, you know, that's a pink shirt. I saw it, and I had looked at it hundreds of times in the mirror, and I looked at it as if it was gray. And I looked at those pants as if they were freaking red. Hundreds of times before I went took the bus to Roosevelt Field. <laughs> there, suddenly, I got the message dropped on me. Hey, they're, they're freaking pink and they're magenta. And I, soon, I saw it immediately. And then I put them in the closet. And every time I went back, they never turned back into gray and red. That's what the message is like. Exactly like that. You've been served. The spiritual subpoena has been served. Yeah? Something in you knows. That's what it's like, exactly. That's what happened with me. Once I was just dropped on me, it dawned on me, on a way. And it, it was like an unspoken yes. And the direction of how I saw changed. That's all that happened. Instead of looking at this as my problem, and you and everything, I started questioning my little figurehead. And when I questioned it, it seemed to not have much substance. It had a lot of volume. This is a lot of selfing. But really, there was no substance in it. If I actually looked at it, not from it, I saw it as porous and very, very weakly foundationed. Yeah? It was a lot of, like, tricks and sleight of hand. But when your attention is freed from it and that attention gets turned on it, it's revealed not to be you. Now, it may take one second of that. It may take coming back and having things repeated. Who knows and who really cares? It's only time. And I'll tell you, if an event occurs, you will. one of the examples you may get from an event, if you want to call an event, one time I came back and it was obvious there is no time. So there's no longing, there's no patience, you haven't missed anything, because when this is entertained, it's totally seen clearly there, has, there is no clock time. So there's no longing, or I missed the boat, why didn't I get this earlier? None of that matters, because there's never been a you in time. Yes? So in fact, the punishment of being in time is not a real punishment, because there isn't any. So there's no hurrying, you don't have to get this, there's nothing, this is not meant to beat yourself up with, it's just an invitation, yes? Let it get in there. Your mind can entertain it, not think about it, that's not entertaining it. Entertaining it is different. You can entertain it. Let it get in, and then, but at least honor it when it demonstrates the fruits in your life. Instead of 
or you'll see that you really want to be miserable. Part of being miserable is to hope that it will get better, but you really don't want it to get better. And when that's revealed, it's a nice moment, because you'll see how full of shit this thing is. My mother had it. My mother would always blame all our kids, because we never got her a ticket to go to Hawaii. And that was her big thing all year. Oh, I really want to go to Hawaii, won't you? And we never, we never buy her a ticket. So one year, we, we put her on the dime. We bought her a ticket. Do you think she went to Hawaii? No. What she really wanted to do was to complain about not going to Hawaii. She had no desire to go to Hawaii. She just wanted to be right about us not getting her a ticket to go to Hawaii. Yeah? So it's nice when you put on a freaking dime, because if you really want to be free, it's available, but not as a you. And you can't say you haven't been served. Yeah. yeah, so, any questions? It's getting hot here, it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was the energy. It was the energy, <laughs> I felt this benign divine heat. No, it's just the heater from the building. No, it was the divine heat. I was being, I was being embraced by the, the fire goddess. No, it's not. It's here. in City, uh, St. Andrews. Heater. <laughs> no questions? Well, I'll pass the basket, man. Thank <laughs> you. 